Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Dr. Edwards, I'm Andrew. You know Brian. Good morning, sir. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, Doc, thanks for getting up very early there on the West Coast, 5 a.m. for you. Uh, But I I, I would think that this subject uh, bears folks being woke (laughs) because uh, this is an interesting time. You've lived through this previously, and I would dare to say, much harsher things than we're dealing with now, but it's still riveting to see the the backlash that these NFL players are receiving. Are you surprised at all the backlash and how people are now deciding to hide behind uh, the flag and and, and our military when those were never the objects of the ire of these players? I'm not surprised at all. Um, Like you said, I went through this 50 years ago. Um, I've... um uh, known uh, Colin Kaepernick since we drafted him in the second round at the San Francisco 49ers. He's one of the brightest, most articulate and sincere young men that I have ever encountered in this business over 60 years. And uh, I'm not surprised at all because the one thing that people do not want to talk about in America is the core issue that has stalked this society from the first day they unloaded a black African slave uh, off of a ship, and that is race particularly in terms of uh, injustice, inequality, and so forth. But uh, one of the things that the social media has done is that it has brought all of this up front uh, with, because everybody has a camera phone. So we see black people being shot down, shot in the back, killed, children being shot, women being shot. Uh, and there's what Cap was saying and what these athletes are saying, essentially, is that we're better than that. Uh, and we can do better than that. And nobody wants to have that discussion. And how do we how do we make that discussion happen? Or because at times it seems almost impossible to make it happen. We most certainly don't make that discussion happen by uh, uh, assuming or presuming uh, that this is about the flag. It's not about the flag. Uh, I know uh, black people in the military who strongly support. Uh, having this discussion. Uh, I know black people on police departments who strongly support having this discussion. I know whites in both the, mili- uh, in both the military and on um, police departments who strongly uh, support having this discussion, and they don't have a difficulty uh, with it in terms of the flag. Uh, a lot of the people who complain, well, this is about the flag, if they're sitting at home watching a football game and a national anthem is being played, do they get up or do they just reach for another beer and a bag of peanuts or do they get up and go to the, go to, uh, the restroom or uh, see what that smell is in the back of their refrigerator? Uh, so, we, you know, we, we can be honest when we can't be right. And that's all these athletes are asking. Let's have the conversation so we can begin to move from protest to progress in this society on this issue, especially since it's in all of our faces, thanks to the social media and uh, the accessibility of uh, camera phone technology. Uh, Dr. Edwards, uh, you hear a, a lot of the similar talking points as you heard, as Tommy Smith and John Carlos heard when they raised the fist in the air at the 68 Olympics. 
oh, it's not the right place, it's not the right time. Uh, what is the proper way to protest? Well, any time that you live in a society which proclaims by uh, legal documents constitutionally that uh, we're all created equal and endowed with certain inalienable rights, uh, and those fundamental rights are being violated every day, uh, systematically, collectively, and as a class, then uh, any place that you determine uh, to make your statement concerning that uh, is appropriate. Now, uh, I would hope that everybody would use some uh, discretion and judgment and wouldn't walk into the maternity ward of a hospital and do it. Uh, they wouldn't stand up in uh, the um, uh, middle of the freeway with cars zooming by and do it. Uh, but that in those circumstances where they can make a statement and people have to deal with it, uh, I think that's appropriate. If you leave it up to the people who are the detractors, there's no place that appropriate, and I ha- that's appropriate. And I haven't heard anybody say, "Don't do it during the national anthem." You know, uh, do it here. Come to my house. Go out there, and I'll come with you. I haven't heard any of those detractors say that. Well, and they also don't mean that. Hey, I'll listen to you if you do it in a better place. <laughs> right. This is just their throwaway. Yeah, because because the whole thing is really to move away from a discussion of this critical issue. We're sitting up here, a society where uh, this little guy over here in North Korea is waving nukes at us. We are in a society where Florida and Texas, uh, our brothers and sisters down there, are struggling to get back on their feet after horrific uh, natural disasters. Uh, We're living in a society where we have phenomenal issues in terms of health care. Uh, uh, immigration and so forth, and instead we are sitting here dealing with uh, something about whether or not the flag is being disrespected when people are trying to say, hey, we're better than 147 black men, women, and children being shot down in this country in the streets on the average every year since 1968. That's all these athletes are saying is that we're better than that. And um, uh, we, we, we need to do better. Dr. Edwards, uh, the other talking point is these athletes are ungrateful as if what they have earned on the playing field, their position in life has been given to them. It was said back then when you were fighting uh, along with others for equal rights and against social injustice. Uh, so here's another regurgitated talking point that this new generation of detractors chooses to use. And, and it's not accidental that all of that comes from basically the same sector, uh, the same group in many instances who says this is inappropriate. Also, uh, care, if you keep them in that conversation long enough, they'll get down to, well, these are multimillionaire athletes. Why, what are they griping about? They've got theirs. What, but that's not, that's not what the United States Constitution says. It doesn't say, with freedom and justice for all, until you get yours. Then uh, let everybody else get, your, get theirs the way you got yours. That's not what we're about. And so, again, that's just another one of those old racist tropes uh, that's thrown out there. These Negroes should be grateful, was what we was told. We were told in 1968. Uh, they're Olympians. Uh, here's a man who's uh, uh, an Ivy League PhD, and he's out here talking about 
uh, inequality. Uh, that is as old as slavery in this country. They tried to convince people uh, about in, doing slavery that the slave was better off here in slavery than um, they were in Africa, and they should be grateful. So that's just an extension of that. There's also specific to Colin Kaepernick, Dr. Edwards, there's the mention of, of the, the Soxie War that one time at practice that had uh, cops as pigs. There was the Fidel Castro shirt. Does he deserve any criticism for, for the smaller messages like that? Well, not only does Cap deserve criticism, but he um, demonstrated to me the highest form of growth and maturation when... Uh, we discussed the socks when we discussed the T-shirt, and his he said, yeah, that was not a good idea because it didn't advance the conversation. It dis- detracted from what I was trying to get over, even though uh, the pig t- uh, uh, socks were uh, uh, some cartoonish uh, a projection of that, which uh, made it even made it even worse. Uh, you didn't know whether he was talking about police officers or Porky Pig. So at the end of the day, he himself uh, admitted that this was not uh, a good idea. And I went back to the 1960s when um, police were routinely referred to as pigs and talked to him about how big a mistake that was because it did not advance the conversation, it did not advance the movement, it did not advance uh, justice. It was simply a way of venting and insulting. And he he agreed with that. So there's not a lot of uh, um, uh, weight that should be put on that. He's a young man. He made a mistake. And, it, and, and was big enough to admit it. And in point of fact, you haven't seen the socks or the T-shirt since. Uh, Dr. Harry Edwards uh, speaking to us here on CBS Sports Radio, Geo and Jones. Uh, I've deduced from this and, and, and in past just studying history that it's okay for certain folks of a certain pigmentation to say, don't tread on me. But when black folks say it, it's not all right. Oh, absolutely. That is long, again. That's a long-standing, enduring set of circumstances um, in American society. Uh, there was uh, one study uh, which um, uh, asked uh, a white a group of whites, "What do do you think that blacks are equal or have any case in terms of being discriminated against?" They said uh, about eighty uh, percent uh, of them said no. They have no case. Uh, they've been, they're being discriminated. They're not being discriminated against. Uh, they're there principally because of their own uh, bad choices and bad decisions in life. But then when they were asked in another section of that same survey, um, would you want to change places with somebody who is black? Hey, an even higher percentage of those same people said no, uh, because they have too hard a road to tread. They have too difficult a life in this society. So you can't have it both ways. You can't turn around and say that African Americans are equal and uh, where they are is because of their own individual personal decisions uh, and they have no case. But then when you're asked, would you change places with them, uh, all of the athlete profiles and everything else out there, their response is no, because they have too hard a road to travel. Well, uh, that is as old as um, race relations in American society. And at some point, as I stated, 
we've got to begin being honest with each other, even when we can't be right. Let's just uh, own up to white supremacy in terms of women. Let's just own up to patriarchy. And then let's see uh, what we can do to move from uh, protest to progress, from conversation uh, to conversion in terms of agreement uh, as far as some of these issues are concerned. Dr. Harry Edwards is with us here on Geo and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Dr. Edwards, any of the reactions from the NFL or its owners to Donald Trump from Friday night, any of those mean anything to you, or do they ring hollow in the end? Um, they don't mean anything to me yet. Okay. Uh, principally because uh, I'm not sure what they were linking arms about. I'm not sure what they were taking knees about. I think most of them appear to be at least in part um, uh, making a move against uh, Donald Trump because Trump uh, sucker punched them and threw them under the bus, put them in a situation where they either had to uh, identify with, uh, be on the same um, uh, uh, plane in terms of this protest effort with their players, or they were going to be with Donald Trump and all of the people uh, who have sided with him, including the people who were marching through the streets of Charlotte, the neo-Nazis, the uh, Ku Klux Klan, the white supremacists, uh, and so forth. And he put them in an impossible position because they know as soon as, they come, as, soon as an owner comes out, and sides with Trump, who has called the, these uh, athletes SOBs, impugning not only their integrity, but that of their mothers. As soon as any owner comes out and says, yeah, I'm with Trump on this, instead of with my players, uh, he signed his last free agent. He signed his last free agent, that's unrestricted free agent, that's on his team. And anybody who he drafts is probably going to hold out until they can go someplace else, because nobody wants to work for an owner who thinks, that his players are SOBs and uh, impugns the integrity and dignity of their mamas. Nobody's going to work for that guy. So what Trump did, uh, as he is wont to do, I mean, he calls himself a counterpuncher. He's really a sucker puncher. He sucker punched the owners and threw them under the bus and put them in that position. Now, what I don't know is what were they demonstrating for? What were they demonstrating against other than that? Um, Does this mean that they are uh, in favor of... Uh, continue protest around the injustices? Are they going to move from this protest posture and start uh, do what the owner of the San Francisco 49ers did? Said that if, well, if Kaepernick is putting a million dollars on the table, I'm putting a million dollars on the table. And we're going to collaborate in terms of going in the community and move that as much as possible from protest to uh, progress. Uh, those are the kinds of issues uh, that I'm concerned about. And one of the first in- indicators of the sincerity of the owners and the league will be whether or not they bring Colin Kaepernick in from the cold. And if they do not, then what this means is that all- everything that they uh, did this past weekend was an act of craven hypocrisy. And uh, that is only going to exacerbate the situation because clearly they're dealing with intelligent, informed, articulate um, young men when they talk about their, their own players. And I want you to expound on the point you just made because that was going to be my next question. How do we move from protest 
to plan of action. There are those who are already doing that in their respective communities. I, I brought up Malcolm Jenkins there in Philadelphia. You have some players here with the Jets and the Giants meeting in the community with law enforcement, with other community leaders, trying to come to a, an agreement on how we all can coexist and get along without all this racial strife. So would you expound on what other plan of actions needs to be taken? Needs well, to be first taken. of all, the league, uh, and 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 I've I've spoken uh, uh, to to Roger about this uh, to Roger Goodell and, and let me say one other thing while I'm at it that Roger Goodell is like a man standing in the middle of a boxing ring and in one corner are the players and the players association in another corner uh, is the is the public and the sponsors in another corner are the owners and then um, in uh, another um, uh, a corner. Uh, you have uh, the the media and and all of those folks. Uh, he's in the middle of the ring, and sometimes they all come at him at the same time. Sometimes they come at him one at a time, and on top of it, they're not wearing baseball gloves. They're not wearing boxing gloves. They have baseball bats. So uh, he, he's he's in a tough position. But that's what they pay him for. That's what they. That's why they call him the commissioner. Um, and in some instances, I think he's made some mistakes. In other instances, I think he's done a remarkable job. Uh, but what the league has to do now, that it's out in front, on TV, every Sunday. The league, as I told him when Cap was demonstrating, get out in front of this before it gets so big that you can't manage it. And then you're reacting. You're trying to catch up with the parade or at least get away, get out in front of it so that it doesn't run over you. Um, the league needs to uh, take the lead in this. They need to... Uh, uh, have programs like they have the breast cancer program so forth they need to have something uh online uh in every franchise uh city where teams can uh, model what it is they're doing and get out in front of these issues at the local level in their own communities and regions um and that means money that means putting time into it. That means in, uh, interfacing with your team. Now, these teams are in the football business. They're in, not in the social action business. Uh, that part has to be kept in perspective. But if they refuse to deal with it, they have a bigger problem than they would have if they dealt with it systematically and proactively. So the team can't just be following up behind players, uh, you know, doing something with the, in the community uh, that uh, uh, is a tag on to what the players are doing. The, 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 the team, the franchise, the league needs to be proactive out front, up top, make it crystal clear what they're doing and why they're doing it. And I think that they'll begin to uh, dissipate some of this um, protest tension. But the first thing they've got to do, if they really want to start getting stuff off the road, is to bring Colin Kaepernick in out of the cold. I don't care if he's on the sideline holding the clipboard as a result. <laughs> uh, and that being said, I, I've got almost no confidence left that someone's going to sign him now. I, I almost think that the time was, has passed, and I just I, I don't see it anymore, which is really frustrating for me. Well, if they don't sign him, then this is going to continue to be a millstone around the neck of the league, and it's going to get heavier and heavier and heavier, especially – uh, as uh, the impact of these uh, concussions uh, continue uh, to hit the league, uh, and uh, as stories such as that of uh, Aaron Hernandez and Junior Seau and and so forth uh, continues to continue to come forward, because as a consequence of the concussions, the NFL is going to be 
become blacker than the NBA ever dreamed of becoming, uh, because that is who is going to be playing the game. Uh, as um, more and more uh, white athletes at the junior high school, high school level uh, drop out of the sport because of this concussion situation, um, it, it is going to be begin to look like Ghana playing Nigeria out there. <laughs> Those issues that these athletes are concerned about and how the league handles them uh, become part of the league legacy. Uh, that is going to be increasingly difficult to manage. Dr. Harry Edwards, it's always illuminating and enlightening to talk to you. Appreciate you getting up very, very early there on the West Coast to discuss this matter with us. Thank you very much. And uh, anytime, perhaps we'll do it again. Thank you, sir. Dr. Harry Edwards, again, always great to talk to him. We thank him for his time. Uh, we get right back on the guest line in just a few minutes. Scott Frost, the head coach at UCF, the Golden Knights, coming off a big win over Maryland. Huge game this weekend against Memphis. That's a big game in the AAC. Very really. Big. Uh, in the country, yeah. If you're looking for one of those outsider spots yep. in the uh, in a bowl game, I was going to say BCS. I apologize, hmm. uh, but this is a huge one coming up. So a lot to discuss, but nothing about Nebraska. Plus a Brad Heller update coming up next here on Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. UCF football coach Scott Frost oh, joins us after yeah. an update. After an update. Oh. All right, I'll be quick. I'll be quick, guys. Anthony Rizzo and the Cubs, NL Central champs for the second year in a row. They beat the Cardinals in St. Louis 5-1. I'll tell you what, this doesn't get old. Uh, the long, long journey to win this division. It's a hard division. It's good teams, and uh, we came out on top. It's awesome. And meanwhile, the Ind Twins also clinched a playoff spot, even though they lost to the Indians 4-2. They got help from the White Sox, who beat the Angels in 10 innings 6-4. Paul Molder's club, the first team ever to make the playoffs after losing a hundred games the previous season. You can feel something special brewing. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad they're celebrating. They deserve it. I understand it's only a wild card spot, but it's going to be fun to watch what we can do moving forward. A mild courtesy of Fox Sports North, looking more and more like it'll be in the Twins and the Yankees in the wild card game. Yankees beat the Rays in New York six to one. Red Sox top the Blue Jays at Fenway ten seven. Boston's magic number to clinch is down to two. The Rockies lead for the final wildcard spot in the National League is two and a half on the Brewers, three and a half on the Cardinals. Colorado outscored Miami 15-9. Reds were, the Reds shut out the Brewers 6-0. Rick Pitino's lawyers say the information in the FBI's investigation is, quote, clearly insufficient to implicate their client. But Louisville still put Pitino on administrative Stay leave tuned. <laughs> without pay, allegations of corruption and fraud in recruiting Athletic Director Tom Jurich was put on leave with pay. The University of Miami said last night it's also part of that investigation. And the Cavaliers making it official yesterday. Dwayne Wade getting a one-year deal. Guys. Thank you for being quick, Brad. And, of course, Scott Frost, head coach of UCF football, will join us here in just a second. Again, ahead of this huge game with Memphis inside the conference and inside the playoff picture altogether. Yeah. What's the, what's the Our New Year's name? Day Bowl. Uh, that, that's the real uh, implication here. You know, who's who's the best? The argument, who's the best group of five group team? Group of five. That's and like San Diego remember. State is in that number. Uh, you've got – they're undefeated, of course, and you, you've got Memphis. You have UCF. Uh, so these programs going and knocking off some of the big boys. Uh, San Diego State knocked off Arizona State and – and then Stanford and UCF this past weekend knocks off Maryland. And joining us now, the guy who helped guide uh, that big win on the road versus the undefeated Terrapins, UCF football coach, head football coach, Scott Frost. Coach, how you doing? 
I'm doing great. How are you guys today? We're, we're doing well, and thanks for joining us here on CBS Sports Radio. What went into that, that matchup last weekend in which you made Maryland look putrid, whereas they made my Texas Longhorns look putrid? <laughs> you know, I, I think it's just kind of where college football's headed. Uh, there's more people in the United States now. There's more kids playing football. I think more kids get developed. Um, I think schools like ours in Memphis and San Diego State, the ones you mentioned, are doing a, a better job of keeping up with the big boys from a development standpoint, nutrition and strength and conditioning. And, um, you know, the, the difference anymore between players at our level and, and players in the in the Big Ten or Pac-12 or SEC, it's not as big as it used to be. And uh, I, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of teams like like ours in Memphis beat some big boys. If my math is correct, Coach, um, you guys beat Maryland by 28. Maryland beat Texas by Shut 10. Up. So would you be the Shut Longhorns <laughs> by 38? Is that what you're? Is that what you're saying? Oh, oh, See, that, that's kind of what I mean. It, it, every week, every week's a different challenge. <laughs> I mean, it, Coach, don't you fall for that from a Fordham grad? They don't even play football at Fordham. Well, well they, they do. They do, but they do. not good. <laughs> you know, it's it's just getting more so that if you don't play well any week, there's a lot of teams out there that can beat you because there's talent on a lot of teams. I think that's what you're seeing. Well, it also seemed telling to me as an outsider coach that you guys go on the road to Maryland. It's a Big Ten school, um, and you you put a whooping on them, and it's not like you guys just had the greatest win in program history. Um, not that you're not excited about it, but I thought it showed the expectations of the program. Like, yeah, that's a great win, but we almost are you're not that shocked that we pulled it off. No, I think that was the thing I uh, I liked the most about our team before and after the game is they, they expected to win that game. Uh, I think we're playing with a lot of confidence right now. I think our guys really believe in, in the team and what we're doing, and I think they went up there expecting to win the football game. And, and we didn't really celebrate in the locker room. We enjoyed it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't look like we won the Super Bowl uh, because our guys feel like they're capable of, of beating – a uh, team like that, and um, I, I told them before the game that was going to be one of several opportunities we had to take a, another huge step as a program, and they got that one done, and, and the great thing is we get another opportunity this week with a really good Memphis team coming in. We're speaking with head football coach at UCF, Scott Frost, and, and coach, before we turn our our attention to Memphis, and I know you already have, and you're well aware of what a huge game that is and the implications uh, riding on that, that contest. I want to go back to when you took over this program uh, a, a season ago, and this team didn't win a game in 2015. They went six your first year there. What was your first order of business when you stepped into this 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 uh, situation and, and you wrapped your arms around this program? What was missing and what did you feel like needed to be re, uh, injected into the program immediately? I, I think the first thing was a, a feeling of among the players that people cared about them. Uh, I don't think it was a very tight-knit group the year before, uh, and and we needed to develop that trust and those relationships with these guys so that they felt like they were playing for something that was bigger than just themselves. Um, I, I, and the other big piece is allowing them to have fun playing football again. There there are so many kids in the state of Florida that, that live for football and just love to play, and we got a lot of them on our football team. And making the game fun again uh, allowed us to do the work that we needed to do to improve. Coach, this Memphis game is is one of is it two or three that was affected by the hurricanes for you guys. 
Um, how have you managed to get through this month? I know you have every single second planned out when the, when you know summer camp begins, and to have it thrown into such disarray, how do you how do you kind of resh- you know reshuffle the deck and keep going in the right direction? Well, it's a little bit uh, similar to a football game. You got to be ready for sudden changes and turnovers and uh, swings of momentum and those types of things. Um, you know, we prep for those kind of things on the field, and I think our guys handled uh, change in schedule really well too. Um, you know, we we let our guys go home uh, during the hurricane once they canceled the Memphis game um, to be with family to make sure family was safe, and a lot of parents wanted their kids at home to make sure they were safe. Uh, so we we really went six days without doing anything from a football standpoint, and it was key once we got them back uh, to get them back in the swing of it and really get them working again. And our guys came back and and they went to work, um, and then had a great week of preparation for Maryland. So I, I really tip my hat to them for how they handled uh, a situation that was unfortunate and missing those football games. Uh, UCF head football coach Scott Frost joining us here on CBS Sports Radio. Geo and Jones. Coach Memphis, uh, this is a tough cat, pun intended. Riley Ferguson, of course, quarterback and transfer from Tennessee. And you got Daryl Henderson. Uh, this young man is a bull of a runner, averaging about 115 a game. Uh, game plan, I don't expect you to give me the, the blueprint of your game plan, but uh, how do you ideally stop these guys? Because they, they have such balance on offense. Yeah, I don't know if you do stop them. Uh, we've watched a, a ton, a ton of tape from last year and this year, and you know the only games Memphis has lost in the last two years, they lost fifty-one to forty-eight. Um, so stopping their offense with the kind of talent they have probably isn't possible. Our offense has to make sure that we put up some points and we're efficient and we take advantage of the drives we get. Um, I love where our defense is right now, and and I think our defense can do a good job slowing them down, but uh, stopping that group of guys with all the talent they have probably isn't likely. Your offense took a big hit the other day. Juwan Hamilton's out for the year. How do you go about replacing him in the backfield? You know, we're, we're so disappointed anytime we see a kid laying on the ground and hurt. Uh, Maryland obviously lost a, a quarterback, and we lost a running back. That It's part of the game, but it's hard to see, and uh, it can certainly affect your team, but I do feel good about the guys we have at, at running back and the depth we have at that spot. Uh, we had nine different guys carry the ball in that game against Maryland, and, and I think we got some uh, some guys in the backfield that are plenty capable of carrying the load. Uh, educate our audience on your linebacker, Shaquem Griffin. This guy's a phenomenal football player. Yeah, he's special. You know, when we got here, he hadn't played much. He was a backup safety. Uh, we got him into the Sam linebacker spot in our 3-4. And, uh, you know, the best thing I can say about him is I've never seen a kid practice harder than he does. Uh, he's so dynamic, hard to block, uh, makes plays. Um, obviously, he's missing a, a hand. And I've been here for two years, and there's only been one or two plays in my time that I've seen that, that he didn't make because of that. So as his coach, you, you just marvel at what he can do and and all the things that uh, he's capable of on the football field. He, he he was player of the year in our league last year and just a f- phenomenal player for us. It's almost inexplicable, though, Coach, when you, you, and you say it almost in passing, like he, he, he lost his left hand as a four-year-old, and now he's playing high-end Division I football, and you wouldn't even know that he had that disability. No, you you really forget because uh, it, it just never shows up. I mean, all the plays that he makes on our practice field and on game fields, uh, there's nothing he can't do on the field. And I have absolutely no doubt he'll be a Sunday player too. And uh, I think whoever he plays for is going to be lucky to have him. And they'll see real quick that 
what most people think is a disability. Um, it, it just doesn't show up in his football. Coach, I know you've been talking a lot this week about getting a sellout for this game Saturday. How are ticket sales at last, at, uh, last check? You know, I've been uh, head down trying to get our football <laughs> team ready, so I haven't seen. But, um, you know, I, I know how special a place our stadium can be when it's full and, and people behind us. Uh, you know, and I, I think as we keep improving and putting a good product on the football field, uh, the city of Orlando is, is going to embrace this place. And uh, this is an unbelievable campus and community and, and a great football town. So, uh, we're starting to get that momentum rolling, and, and I expect the support to be there. All right, Coach, we appreciate you joining us here, and don't you dare entertain any more questions about my Longhorns, okay? <laughs> you know we were supposed <laughs> to play them this year. I know. Uh, what the, happened? The game, the game got pushed back, so uh, I, I know Coach Herman will do a great job getting that thing going in the right direction. He's a good coach, but uh, – it, it, it's interesting how this whole thing's played out. So good luck to them. Yeah, you guys don't need a, a throwaway game. Oh, like shut that. up! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, coach. I appreciate it. Scott Frost, the head coach at UCF. Um, so before, because I've been in this position on the other side, mm-hmm. the story this week about Scott Frost is that Nebraska wants him, by all accounts, to be their next head coach when they presumably fire Mike Riley after this season once they've hired a new AD, and we mentioned Trev Alberts and Scott Frost, their deep Nebraska connections. This is pie-in-the-sky, best-case scenario for the Cornhuskers and their faithful. By the way, did you know that Larry the Cable Guy is a huge Nebraska football booster? I had no idea. Yeah, I was aware of that. um, So we didn't ignore that. We were politely asked to not ask Coach about Nebraska, and in all honesty, well, that's the thing. Even if we did... Yeah. He's gonna. He's not gonna answer the question. Right. He's not gonna sit here and go. I want to be Nebraska's head coach. So I mean, it's there's no point in asking. Uh, yeah, no need to ask that. He's focusing on Memphis. He's focusing on the squad he has now. Down the road, those questions are pertinent. But right now, he's trying to uh, get his team ready to take on a formidable foe in Memphis. Uh, that and those who would say you should have uh, Nebraska. No, we should not. We should not have asked him about another program, uh, his alma mater, in which he has no idea what's going on within that program. And he the may job's have not even inkling. open yet. Yeah, and his job's not even open. So that's ridiculous. We yeah. asked him about what we needed to ask him about, which was UCF whipping Maryland, st- sitting there undefeated and now taking on a, a Memphis team that's uh, undefeated. But what I wanted to ask him related to Nebraska came from me randomly for the first time in a long time watching college game day this weekend, and I hear Lee Corso say, that Scott Frost, in his estimation, is not ready for the Nebraska job yet. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's said often about coaches, and I don't always really know what that statement means because I know there's more to being a Nebraska coach than there is at the UCF, being the UCF coach, but right. you still, at the end of the day, you have to be a good football coach, and Scott Frost is a good football coach, so I don't understand, I don't get saying he's not ready for it when he's got the success on the field that says he is. Yeah, I mean, is, the, is, the, I, I, is the handshaking stuff that important well, that you're not ready I, I, for He's it? been in a big-time program as offensive coordinator there at Oregon, and, and now, of course, he's running his own ship uh, there at, at, at UCF and has been a, doing a damn good job, as I mentioned. No wins the year prior to him stepping on campus six uh, last year and, and now sitting there undefeated even with the uh, postponed uh, contest. So uh, he, he, if he didn't have it, he's getting it. Is he the Nebraska head coach next year? I don't know. Too early to tell. No, wanna, at this make, point. You don't want to get on the phones real no. quick? And no. He's not right now. Is he the front runner? Yes. Is Mike Riley the Nebraska head coach next year? Too early to tell. 
but Scott Frost would be the front runner if that job opens up. Yes, he's be, he would be the front runner as far as I'm going. And that's almost Jones on the phone. <laughs> almost. 855-212-4227. We've been very busy with guests uh, for the last hour, basically. So phone lines back open for you. Uh, David Ross was here last hour talking about playoff baseball. A bunch of clinching scenarios went down last night, including that cool scene in the uh, in the Twins clubhouse as they waited and waited to watch the White Sox win, which is an Angels loss, which got Minnesota that second AL wild card where they will presumably lose to the Yankees on Tuesday in the Bronx. But more baseball. Yeah, I just jinxed them. <laughs> Mission accomplished. We're back in a second on Geo and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Now, I've been there before, but I've never had the double porthouse for two because it was so late when I went. But uh, this time, I'm going to get it. They better not charge me twice, man. That's not good. We're discussing the Strip House. Yes. And um, one of my favorite steakhouses here in the, in the city. We had John Rothstein on CBS Sports Network basketball insider earlier, and mm. he turned me on to that joint a couple of years ago, and I got to craving a steak. And the conundrum we've stumbled upon is that they have a porterhouse for two, mm-hmm. but you pay $64 per person. Brian will eat it by himself, so yep. therefore is it just $64, or is it 128 by default, right. and then you can add on people but even that's not fair because not fair. it's less meat per person then. Right. If the three of us go to have the porterhouse for two, like the ex, every extra person should be less than $64. Yeah. First of all, I wouldn't share it with the three. Well, there's also that. I know. Yeah, I know. it's for me. Uh, sign up to be an O-Rewards member today and start earning instantly. O-Rewards members earn $5 back for every 150 points you earn. It's fast, easy, and free only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. See store for details. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Not sure if you can use your O'Reilly member points to get us steaks, but if you can, we'd love one. <laughs> Always. Now, I have a one at Roos Chris uh, Sunday. But I want another one. I'm craving another one now. Real quick, I wanted to get this Deshaun Watson story Please in do. here, man. He is incredible uh, athlete, and, and he played pretty well the other day, although the Texans lost uh, at New England. But uh, you need to see this video of, of Deshaun Watson handing checks out to our – I guess they were checks. They were in envelopes. And maybe it was cash. But uh, he's handing out uh, gifts to three workers in the Texans' uh, cafeteria there at NRG Stadium. And uh, these were three workers that were affected by Hurricane Harvey, lost a ton, as many in that area did. And uh, Deshaun Watson surprised these three cafeteria workers with this gift. And uh, it's just amazing to to watch uh, this young man, first in the league, of course, and and a rookie, uh, uh, to go in and and make such an incredible gesture. I think I, did, I was just redundant, first year in the league and a rookie. Uh, you're but good. but uh, incredible gesture, none the least. And uh, the videos of the Texans' website, if you want to see it, the look on these women's faces is um, it's priceless. It's priceless. Yeah. And you're, you're right. All credit to Sean Watson, who, by the way, um, is having a heck of a first couple of weeks. I know maybe not the raw numbers you love and the results you love, but we had, when I worked for you guys, was that Labor Day? It must have been Labor Day. Um, we had Pat Cruin on, who I, you might know from CBS, mm-hmm. Sirius, Sirius XM NFL Radio. Mm-hmm. He said Deshaun's the best of all the rookie quarterbacks, and he reminds him of Warren Moon. Oh, wow. Now, that's heavy praise for wow. sure, and he has not played like Warren Moon just yet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 
forget Tom Savage. Remember when some, we, we were mildly concerned with Tom Savage's yeah. feelings and his agent was angry by getting benched after two quarters? Yeah, forget it. He's going to stay angry. Yeah, yeah. we uh, don't care. Yeah, the job is uh, this, this young man, Deshaun Watson's to keep until he proves that uh, he doesn't deserve it. But right now, he's definitely deserving it. Uh, let's make Mike happy and talk some NBA before we're done. First of all... I know he's had that on the, uh, the rundown yeah. for the last three days, and I haven't ignored it, but well, let me I clear. guess you're going to... Yeah. I'll clear the slate so you All and right. Damon Mandalora can have a full ah, another brand new three tomorrow. hours Damn, tomorrow. Why are they doing this to me? Come on, Spitz. Come on, man. I need continuity, man. Come on. It's just wrong. Okay, I'm through. <laughs> You're so right, Andrew Ryan. Bogus just knelt in protest. I'm protesting my computer. <laughs> So in the NBA, Dwayne Wade is once again LeBron's teammate. He's officially a Cavalier once again, or in the Cavalier now, I should say. And I was reading a good article uh, at The Ringer breaking down Wade's addition and how they move forward from here. And this Cavs team, I said this to Michael before we came on the air, they're almost too deep. Now, at some point, somewhere along the way, there's going to be injuries or mm-hmm. crappy players. You already have and, injuries. And, right. And guys are going to fall out of the rotation. But... Let's say best-case scenario for all of these guys, health-wise and production-wise, we get into the back half of the regular season and the playoffs, and they've got Isaiah Thomas, Mm -hmm. Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade, Kyle Korver, Amon Shumpert, then LeBron, Jay Crowder, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, Jeff Green, and um, and, Jay Fry. Did you miss J.R. Smith? I mean, this is... I love it! I love it, too. That's I, they needed to elevate their bench, and they did. They didn't needed to not have a fall-off once the starters went to the sidelines to get a breather, and I think this helps them accomplish that. Yeah, it makes the matchups better because yeah. at this point, they're planning for Boston, and they're planning for Golden State. And That's, Isaiah Thomas is injured currently. Who knows when he's going to step on the court? But, right. And Dwayne Wade. Uh, has had an injury-plagued history, but he has been able to overcome that and and play well. Uh, So I I think this bodes well for the Cavaliers. I like this roster. It 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 bodes well in theory, but the concern is, and this is where a head coach might come into play more so than actually on the court, uh, is managing all this, finding the right amount of minutes because some of these guys can be whining and complaining, and some guys need structure and need rhythm to be successful so finding places for all of those guys to play is going to be the the most important thing uh that Toronto does you hear that Spence? I need structure in charge. his name is T. Lou mm-hmm. I need Chris structure Ford. and rhythm you're throwing thank, off my structure and rhythm yeah, dog. I want to thank John Rothstein David Ross Dr. Harry Edwards and Scott Frost for joining us it's DA and BJ tomorrow on Geo and Jones on CBS Sports Radio We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.